and welcome to the first official episode of Properly Bewitched. I'm Becca. And I'm Ashley. Alright, and this episode, or yeah, this podcast is going to focus on the first two episodes of season one of Bewitched, which are I Dare and Take This Witch Samantha and Be It Ever So Mortgaged. And I'm going to quickly just go over some highlights of these two episodes before we get into the meat of our podcast. Um, episode one, as the title suggests, is when we're introduced to Darren and Samantha and they get married. And it also happens to be revealed to Darren that Samantha is a witch. And so we kind of see the complications that come with that and like Darren making some big decisions on whether he wants to stay with Samantha or not. And considering that there's eight seasons of this show, it's safe to say that he did. Um, and then besides that, going past the whole Darren finding out and us meeting Sam's mom and just getting to know these characters a little bit more, we also are introduced to a old flame of Darren's named Sheila, which we will discuss <laughs> a little bit later, but she is a rather interesting character. And then in the second episode... Um, it's Darren and Samantha trying to live a normal mortal life, and so they're buying a house, and Sam and Andorra kind of go to this house and play around with it and have some fun, and we're introduced to our favorite neighbor, Gladys Kravitz, <laughs> and these two episodes kind of really set the stage for the other mishaps and mayhem that happens throughout the rest of the show, so I thought it was, we both thought it was a good idea to kind of focus on these two right now. Yeah, it's, it, these two episodes really firmly establish the precedent that will be kind of traced throughout at least the initial, probably I would say three seasons of yeah. the show, um, particularly the first season as it kind of creates this basis of what the characters and what the writers and what the actors and what are trying to do with, yeah. with this, if yeah, so it's a good time. I think Becca did a wonderful job of Thank summarizing you. those two episodes. It's kind of hard to summarize sitcoms because a lot happens, but at the same time, a lot doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. And it's a lot of like fluffy, fun stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, the day of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So they were all going to work, getting ready to start the first day and production of the episode. And this national crisis this, was happening. This whole crisis. And then it kind of comes full circle with uh, the presidency of Johnson and his creation of the Warren Commission. Because in September of 64, uh, the Warren Commission officially came to the conclusion that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone with an unknown motive. And um, Jack Ruby also acted alone with an mostly unknown motive for the murder of Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald. And this basically fueled generations of conspiracy theories that still exist to this day. Um, but it's very interesting because a yeah. uh, big part of the show is kind of avoiding the politics of the age and politics mm -hmm. of what's going on in the 60s. And they, 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 they address it, but they try to keep themselves removed from it. Neutral. Yes, but very. These things were very much happening and very important. So it's good to kind of put everything in context. Uh, furthermore, also happening in September 1964, James Bond Goldfinger premiered in the United Kingdom. I've never seen a James Bond movie. Neither have I. Okay, good. And my, well, I remember kept calling it, I kept calling it Austin Powers. Powers. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I don't think that's what it's called. And I was like, yes, it is. But and I was then, a little confused. Yeah. So. I mean, I've seen it as Austin Powers. But I heard James Bond was pretty good. People like him. I think the new James Bond's a hottie, isn't he? I think so. <laughs> I don't think I this don't is know. the James Bond we're talking I don't, about. Though. No, it's not. I don't even but know which James Adele Bond sang a song for the James Bond. The, the Pretty sure she didn't sing the song in 2000 or 1960. No, but no, <laughs> I'm meaning now. 
bringing it, bringing bring it in history, today. Bring in history full circle. We're living history. Living history. Uh, also in 1964, September, Fiddler on the Roof opened at the Imperial Theater on, in Broadway in New York City. I have never seen Fiddler on the Roof. Neither have I, but Agnes Moorhead was on Broadway, and so we have another connection. Connections. All right, and I think the other big thing to take away from 1964, especially given the second episode, is the average cost of living in the 1960s compared to today. Uh, 1964, the average household, the average house price was $13,050. Income was $6,000. A car was $3,500. A gallon of gas was 30 cents a gallon. And a loaf of bread was 21 cents. Man. Uh, I'm pretty sure we just bought milk and it was like $4. I think when we bought bread, it was two twenty nine. <laughs> so, massive difference between yeah. these two things. But taking that into context, when Samantha and Darren are buying their first house, they are looking about $1,300. I mean, their house is in Westport, Connecticut. Supposedly mm-hmm. is where it's supposed to be set. That cost of living might be a little bit higher there because Connecticut is a little bit more pricey. I have no idea. Though. I don't know either, but pretty sure he was doing all right. He was doing all right. He was he was a madman. He was yeah. like an advertising executive. He was like madman mad before, before madman happened. He was the original madman. I didn't even watch Madman. Neither have I. I've seen but, John. I know John Hamm's in it. Yeah, and I like John Hamm and that girl from The West Wing. Which but, oh, Zoe. What's her name? Like, Zoe, the, Zoe Bartlett. Zoe Bartlett. Yeah. Zoe Bartlett. Not, not at all. Not relevant, relevant but <laughs> relevant. this is what you've signed up for. <laughs> all right. So now that we kind of discussed the highlights of the episodes and the history of the time, we're just going to talk about some different aspects that really caught our eye and sparked our interest while watching these two episodes. So is there anything you wanted to start with, like fashion or... Anything funny that you notice? I think I want to start with going back to the very first episode at the very beginning when Samantha is like, Darren, I'm a witch. And he didn't believe her. Oh, yeah. And she is trying to show him she's a witch by moving the ashtray back and forth. Because he's from Missouri and she has to show him. Because he's from the show me state. I don't know what... I don't know what that means. I don't means. know what that means either. If you're but from Missouri and you know what the show me and the show me state means, please tell us because I'm a little worried. I'm just taking Darren's word for it. Yeah. No, I'm like worried that it's something creepy. I hope it's not. <laughs> Darren, don't let us down. Please don't let us down, Darren. Be a classy gentleman. But so Elizabeth Montgomery in particular kind of shines in this scene because you can see her sitting on the back of that couch just hanging out and trying not – she keeps a straight face. She's keeping that straight face. Tries so hard. And then the audience starts laughing as the ashtray zooms back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, I think... She makes eye contact. She makes eye contact with the audience and then starts, like, you can see her starting to almost crack up and she's, like, smirking. And every time I see that part of the episode, it just makes me laugh. I found a gift set of that on Tumblr and it was colorized. You did? So it was even more precious. What? I'll send it to you. You have to send that to me. But (laughs) it's just really cute. It is. Like, that is probably, like, one of my favorite parts because you can see, like... It's just, it's just so adorable. It just shows. It's so adorable. I don't know. I love Elizabeth Montgomery, and I just think she's very, like, yeah. playful and not too serious. So I think this shows that, like, even though she's doing this show and this is her job, she still has fun and still laughs. That's, like, one of my favorite parts of yeah. the entire first episode. It's and so I just think it was funny that Darren is just so against believing her. 
no matter what. No matter what, these weird things are happening, and he's just like, no, yeah. no, it's, it's just a fluke. It's a fluke. I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how he could find it to be, I don't understand how he, him, and all the people in the lobby, when Andorra keeps sending him down to the <laughs> lobby, like, how is no one suspicious that he just keeps popping up? It's not even like he makes a smooth transition, he just pops in the middle of the lobby, and the guy looks at him as though it's Darren's fault. But you could tell by the look on poor Darren's face that he has no clue what's going on. I want to know what he was drinking that makes him yeah, think Yeah, it was champagne. What kind of champagne is that? He thinks he can get from upstairs to downstairs. I'm going to need that after graduation. <laughs> <laughs> Becca's birthday's tomorrow, so we might be finding out some of that champagne. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, other thing I really liked in this episode was the exchange between Sheila and Samantha. It's, it's like the good versus evil. evil. Oh, and Sheila, Sheila's evil. Um, kind of along the same lines of that. I want to know why everyone is so fixated on Elizabeth Montgomery, Elizabeth Montgomery's nose. Like she yes. was like, "Oh, so did you get a nose job?" And I'm like, "Is it because she has such a good nose naturally? <laughs> is it because people are just trying to get?" Samantha, like, off her groove, kind of set her back. Like, I don't understand. Is it because she twitches? But no one knows she twitches her nose because no one knows she's a witch. So I'm a little confused by that. I don't know if it's just Sheila being petty or, like... Well, I think it comes up later again in another another, in a, another episode or two. And yeah. I think, like, Elizabeth Montgomery herself said that, like, she encountered a lot of people asking her if she's had nose... Like, when she was still alive, if she had a nose job and yeah. stuff like that. She'd be like, no. No. It's, no. it's all mine. But, but, yeah, that's a really good point about the it, it just part. struck me as weird. Yeah, like, I didn't know that the 1960s were really... For me, when I think of the 1960s... I don't think of plastic surgery. I don't think of, like, people talking about it, at least. Like, yeah, I feel today. like it would be a private thing. Yeah, it's very private, kept to yourself. Kind of hide it. Especially, like, outside of the Hollywood context. Because this, uh, yeah. the show this is, is not... Connecticut. Yeah, the show... Well, Connecticut New York. New York, But yeah. it's not in the Hollywood context. It's, exactly. It's on the East Coast. As Darren says... It's a normal mortal life. Yes. And I don't think normal mortal women, like Samantha... Got nose jobs. Use that, use that normal mortal with air quotes. You just can't see my air quotes. Can, can Darren afford that is my question. Other thing with Darren affording things. Darren seems to be living the playboy lifestyle yeah, talking about he, Samantha. Like, what was he doing? Because... When you we see him with Sam, he's a serious business guy who's working he long hours. Like knows Larry Tate has him working real hard, real real hard. But when you see Sheila and she's like, "Oh, like remember when we were on the yacht and remember when we were doing all of we're this?" We went to Paris. What, like, what was he doing? Did he just wake up one morning and was like, "Oh man, I have to go to work." Like, how does he become one of the higher members of the McMahon and Tate career path? Agency when, thing. The agency thing. When he is partying it up with Sheila. So that was a little weird. I, I wish we knew a little bit more about Darren's yeah, path. Yeah, we know path. nothing about, we know nothing about any of the characters' past. No, like it's, they, we just get thrown into them. The writers really keep you in the dark about the characters' past. I think that's on purpose, partially because Samantha, you're not really supposed to know how, how old, old she, she is. is. And Darren, I guess, because his past isn't relevant to He's his future with Samantha. And like normal mortals really don't have a uh, a past that's necessary to talk about. Especially so. in, con like, when you think of Samantha and what her and Endora lived through because they've seen Shakespeare. Like, they just yeah. are old. And another thing to go along with that idea of Darren's, Darren's past or whatever, I find it interesting that 
way back when Samantha, when we're first introduced into, in, we're first introduced to Endora, and we're in the hotel room with Samantha and Endora, and Endora says, "You snuck out behind my back oh, to yeah. marry a mortal." She and said, "I I take my eyes off of you for one minute." But throughout the entire series, Andorra is wedged. Like, she is at their house all the she time. She is in the middle of Darren and Samantha's marriage. And what I thought was really interesting is if Samantha, if, if Andorra was able to find Samantha after her wedding and knows that Samantha was married, where was Andorra during that entire courtship? Yeah, because even though it might might have been a short courtship period, it probably still was an extended period of time. Like, yeah. Did Andorra not see Samantha at all in that period? Because from what we Andorra? see from what we see in this episode and in future episodes is that Samantha is basically like Samantha and Andorra not just have don't just have a mother daughter relationship, but they're like best friends. Yeah, they really and are. And so I feel like at this point like comparing future Andorra to the first episode Andorra, it just seems really out of character her out of character for her to not know where Samantha is. Yeah. On a regular basis. No, I definitely agree. And I think it also gives us a gap in Samantha. Yeah. Not knowing really, like, who was Samantha before she meets Darren? Yeah. And, and did she, like, run away? Like, Like, it's just, there's so many on? questions. The first episode leaves with more questions than, than answers. answers. And I think that drives me nuts because it's supposed to not, it's not supposed to give you answers because it's a sitcom and it's not. But I just want to know Samantha's life. <laughs> I want someone to write a book. About Samantha. I guess it would be called fan fiction. Listeners, listen to this. Please, someone, write us a book about Samantha. I mean, we got Harry Potter, and we got that, we have the whole lexicon with Harry Potter, and... So someone do it for Bewitched. Someone just do that for Bewitched. It doesn't have to, like, talk about magic and stuff. Someone just... Just talk about her life. What was she doing? Where was Adora? Someone (laughs) please answer this. Becca's like, it's driving Becca crazy. She's about ready to rip her hair out. I've been watching this show... Since I was a kid, and there's still so many questions that I have. So many. Um, kind of pulling from then Dora and keep taking her eye off of Samantha and moving us her towards distance. moving us towards another. So you see the inner exchange between exchange between Samantha and two very strong female characters. I would say Sheila's a strong female. Oh, character. I would say even though she's only in this first episode, she yeah. is very the writers just introduced us to someone who is very strong, very, like... The antithesis of Samantha. Exactly. She's like, the opposite. She's not a... Ha- and I think when she first meets Samantha, she's like, oh, like, Samantha seems like someone who'd be good at keeping up the house and using a typewriter and playing golf. Yeah, and, she like, called her adorable. She called cute. her adorable. She called her, like, a cute or adorable. And she was like, oh, she's very, like, domestic. And Sheila is, like... Kind of, especially in this time, I think she's like the strong, independent woman who's yeah, like she, doing I, her thing, and she doesn't really need a husband or to be settled down. Like she just likes having her play things and doing whatever. I think Sheila is kind of representative of. I'm no, I don't know much about this topic, but I know around the time Bewitch premiered was when the Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan came oh, out. Yeah. So I think Sheila is kind of supposed to be like that woman who is almost liberated with herself and her sexuality. Yeah, and, and challenging her, the norms cha- of challenging society. Challenging the norms of society. And Samantha, well, Andorra is the same way. You just exactly. don't see it in these first two episodes. Andorra is very much the same way. Very liberated, very, like, just liberal in general. Like, I, wanna, I don't know if I would say liberal, but she's just very free. Yes, and I would say very free. She's not tied down to a man. She's just doing what she I, wants. Yeah, socially liberal. Yeah, socially liberal. Um, But Samantha's the kind... I think the writers wrote Sheila, at least in these epi- this episode, as that more 
fluid and not constrained by a marriage or by a committed relationship to contrast with Samantha and what, yeah. what Darren had and what Darren wants. Yeah. And Samantha's supposed to show us the ideal housewife yeah. for Darren at least. And I think it's interesting that like Samantha chose this because Samantha could very much have chosen a life like Andorra's where she's traveling the world all the time, meeting different men and just kind of living large and not really tying herself down. But she chose to have this air quote, normal mortal existence and kind of be this typical housewife, which I think is really like, I think it's interesting. I think it's, cool. I, I think it's honestly, I she's doing what she wants. Yeah. If she's doing what she wants, then that's cool. I'm happy. And that's plus, fine with me. We get, we get the Samantha. We know. Exactly. Love, so. Also, I think we have to take it in the context of once again, we don't know how long she's been alive. We don't know uh, what else she's experienced. Yeah. Cause I feel like at this point she's probably, has has done so much yeah. that she's like maybe this lifestyle isn't for me and what I want is to be settled and kind of just a sense of normalcy have this normal life it's, and I feel like living with Andorra you don't have like a normal <laughs> life they were like here there everywhere let me ride a camel in the living room like random stuff but with this Sheila Samantha exchange you get Samantha then again asserting herself. Yeah, and, and I think that is also really refreshing because she's choosing to be a, like a housewife, but at the same time she's not losing grip of her independence. Yeah, and, and her own reality. Her, yeah, and I I admire that because it's not something you often see in the, the media or not the media. I guess television and yeah. cinema at this period of time. This period of time, it's very much, especially in TV. It's the wife. And the husband and these very clear cultural cookie cutter norms yeah. that are that are very standard. And yes, a lot of people say that Bewitched doesn't break that mold, but I think I think it does. I think later on in the seasons, as you go, you see Samantha continuously resisting Darren and resisting. And she just grow. I feel like she just grows tremendously. Yes. Like she's not just stuck. And if anything, Darren kind of breaks out of that gender mold eventually yeah, by... I remember when we first watched this, you were really mad. Like, we were both really mad at Darren because he was like, you need to be a mortal, like a normal mortal wife. You need to be normal. You need to... We need to be normal. And I think as the show goes on, you see him growing and developing to be like, okay, like, this is who my wife is. And I love her for who she is. And he becomes, like, a little bit more lenient with the magic and, like, the things that kind of make him uncomfortable even though sometimes he still gets a little high strung. Yeah, but he gets a little I think that's understandable. I feel I think he feels a little bit inferior like he can't fully provide for Samantha cuz she can provide for her like she yeah, everything of, that yeah. he wants to give to her, she could easily just get it for herself. Yeah. And I think that that's a big part of when there when a bone of contention does arrive it's arise in that. their relationship, it's because of that. Yeah. But um, I, I like how they love each other. Like, you could tell that the, the two characters, like, really love they, each yeah. other. Yeah. So, I think the big thing that came out of this episode, or the first episode in particular, in the beginning, with the Sheila, Samantha, it's just showing us, at least for Darren and Samantha, this clear beginning of this, the standard norm of the period of... Gender norms very delineated. Man mm -hmm. at work, woman at home, and Darren even says that he's like, "I want yeah. a wife who's here at home, home and who will." I like want to come home from work and have dinner and just this typical nineteen fifties nineteen sixties housewife. Like he just wants he wants that cookie cutter yeah. life. But we can and Samantha agrees. But I think we can we know from how she acted back with Sheila. That it's it's gonna be hard for her to yeah. give into this, and that's setting the stage for the rest of the series. I mean, she is Andorra's daughter. She is. She's very much Andorra's, Andorra's daughter. daughter. 
And I think I think that right there shows you that this show is going to break the mold of yeah. what was expected of the woman at the time. And, and I like that. I do too. I appreciate it. Power, power, to, power to the people. Power, power to, to the people. Samantha. Solidarity, sister. I guess while episode one was really establishing the the entire series and what we'd be seeing from it, episode two was... De- Are you okay? <laughs> Sorry, there's something in my eye. <laughs> episode two was really just kind of funny and... It's one of my favorites, I think. I, it was. It was just so good. Plus, and Dora was just... She awesome. was in her prime. She was, she was awesome. in her prime. And Dora was basically your mom in this episode. Oh my god. She said something. <laughs> Hold on. I wrote notes. She, in the first and second episode, she said something that reminded me of my mother. Um, the first episode was, you're not happy unless I say, or I'll tell you when you're happy. <laughs> that is your mom. And that is my mother. Um, and I think what I was thinking about my mother was the whole... Um, when she was like, we are Quicksilver, a fleet, like, just telling Samantha how, like, exceptional they are, and she's like, and you're trading it all for crabgrass. Crab. <laughs> and Dora's my mother. And Dora really is Becca's mom. They are both feisty redheads <laughs> who have a zest for life and are very witty and kind of snarky, but in the best of ways. So... I love my mom. <laughs> thank you for that whole aside there, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> I had to in case she listened. <laughs> but I... What like what was your what was one of your favorite parts of this um, of this episode? So uh, I think I think this part that I'm going to describe kind of shows how Bewitched is tailored for both children and adult or like younger people and adults. It's like a family friendly. Yeah, it's to be for the a whole appeals to the whole family. family. Family fun. But there's this one scene where Darren comes home from work and Sam is like greeting him and kissing him, and Andora keeps popping in and out, but only Sam can see her. So Sam's a little disgruntled by the fact that her unconventional mother is kind of popping in and spying on Darren and Darren hasn't met her yet and she doesn't want Darren to meet her this way. So Sam's really uncomfortable and Darren's just trying to get a welcome home kiss from his wife and he goes, you were friendlier on our first date. And I just thought that was funny because I didn't notice, like obviously as a kid and even in high school when I rewatched that episode, I didn't notice it. And this episode was just so funny, especially because... It flashes to Andorra, who kind of looks at Sam and with shock nothing. and goes, and just, Samantha, without and, without saying her name. She does the mom thing where the mom, like, mouths at you to, like, she, like, mouths your name and tries to get you to, like, Basically, like, get you your should attention. be ashamed. You should be ashamed. But I just thought it was funny because not only is it kind of showing that there's a little adult side to this, but... It, it just goes back to the point that Andorra is one of the best. I'm, She's so I love, sassy. I love Agnes Moorhead. She so. really. I, I really hope the Agnes Moorhead blogs will accept you now. I really do it, too. Should I should I bring that up? You should. I think you so, should really quickly talk about your love of the Agnes I, Moorhead blogs. Well, I love Tumblr. I'm big on Tumblr. It's a good thing in my life. It's a good form for creativity. I found a few Bewitched blogs I really like, but I found four or five Agnes Moorhead blogs that I've really taken a liking to. Because I love Agnes Moorhead, and there's, like, bewitch stuff, and she, the woman was just very talented. <laughs> she was just very talented, so I just, I have mad respect for her. And so do these blogs, and I feel like we have a lot in common. And I posted a picture of all my bewitch memorabilia on Tumblr with the hopes that the Agnes Moorhead blogs would acknowledge it, and they didn't. And I just really want them to like me. I think me. through this podcast, they will acknowledge you now. I will talk to, I will talk about Agnes Moorhead until I am blue <laughs> in the face. I'm reading her biography right now, and it's really She good. really is. She's it's really, really she's really in love. I have a, I have a poster of Andorra in my room. 
I got a fee for your birthday. I love her. Um, but shout out to the Agnes Moorhead <laughs> blogs. Thanks for existing. You have to like me now. You have to like me now. <laughs> um, I guess other big thing with this episode is we're introduced to Gladys, Gladys Kravitz. Kravitz. Alice Pierce. May she rest in peace. I mean, I think Sandra Gold's passed away too. So I think she everyone on the show has basically passed away. Basically. With the exception of like the girls who play Tabitha. May they all rest in peace. Um, But Alice Pierce as Gladys Kravitz is the best Gladys Kravitz. She was awesome. Her facial expressions, her tone of her voice, and just how good she was at portraying someone who's a little neurotic with yeah. a good heart. Yeah. And then there's Abner, who just does not take her seriously. I want to know what this medicine is that Abner keeps giving yeah. her. And where can I get some? Because I, I remember we looked it up, and it was some sort of, like, antipsychotic, but it wasn't very specific. No, where can but we get I this for me? Know. But at the same time, I'm a little nervous because she was getting nauseous. He kept but giving her so... I think he was trying to OD. I, I think, think he was trying to make her OD. I don't know if... He, well, I think he kind of did it out of... I feel like at this point, he, he just doesn't know what to do with her, and he loves her still. But she she's just gotten a little, she's gotten a little crazy. She. But I just love the. It's better to bad. be nauseous she's, than crazy. Yeah. And when Darren hugs her and is like, "Mother!" and she just screams <laughs> and runs away. It's like, well, Darren, and you just and so began years of paranoia, paranoia on the part of Gladys Kravitz. And then, so they're, Samantha and Dora are kind of hanging out at their new house, and then they're, they're toying around with their magic, which I think is so obvious. Like, you're doing yeah. your magic. They're outside. The of, of broad just, daylight. Let me just put a full-grown tree in this front and yard. And then move it ha, around. Ha. Move let it. Let me put fresh green grass. <laughs> something's yeah. missing. Oh, wait. Something's missing. These ugly awnings. The ugliest awnings known to man. Samantha. The really. circus really wants those back. Yes. Those awnings were, were terrible. Hideous. I just think it was funny that Andorra was trying to be Jeff Lewis before Jeff Lewis existed. And, and Je Sam was her eager-eyed protege who just wanted her approval. Yeah. It basically, if you don't know who Jeff Lewis is... Look him up. Bravo TV flipping out. It is one of the funniest TV shows on television. I feel like Andorra and Jeff would have a beautiful love-hate, mostly-hate relationship. relationship. And Andorra would take over the show. She would, but... Um, basically, that house is a hot mess yes, yeah. when you see it in color. It's, like, all green. Yeah. Everything's, everything's green. green. And it's, like, a mossy green and, and a weird mint. Everything's really heavy. The furniture's very, um, just heavy. heavy. Just heavy. It's, like, and, earthy and heavy. And then, which is so funny, leading into, I guess we could lead into our next segment, the fashion segment. Because Samantha you can contrast, is on point. Yeah, you can contrast Samantha's outfits to this heavy Meh. especially because a lot of her outfits are kind of light like she wears a lot of like dresses and like well I think it was part of the fashion of the period but yeah, yeah like what you're saying yeah a lot of like neutral color like like yeah she wears black and some darker colors but it doesn't seem heavy like yeah compared to her interior style it's not like heavy it's like very tasteful very classy very like understated yeah and just just a brief with lots of bows notes Beck and I have watched this the first two seasons in both black and white, and we're watching them in color oh, now. Yeah. So we we've seen both, but we we also have seen pictures and whatnot of yeah. of both the set and of Samantha's outfits. So as I said, Tumblr is great. Yeah, 
but I think one of my favorite things about Samantha's fashion is the bows. Definitely. The hair bow. Like, she's wore, she and wore her, it in the first episode and the second episode. She's a little clip that she wears in her hair. I'm, like, motioning so to my hair. No one can see it. I can see it. And her hair, though, her hair is beautiful. And then you see my hair, and it literally looks like an opossum looks at it. Um, mine looks like a rat. <laughs> we both have extremely curly really hair. hair. And Samantha's hair just is gold. And especially in the first season when it's kind of, like, not short, but it's shorter than the other it's seasons. It's tucked under. It's cute and It has this slight and curl to it. And I want to be Her there. eyeliner is fierce. That cat eye. She's the most fierce cat eye before the cat eye became, like... A thing. A real... Well, I think at this point it was uh, a I thing, think it was, but then it was kind of revived. I tried doing the cat eye for work once, and my one eye looked like a raccoon, and the other one looked like I didn't do anything. Remember when I just put it on last week and I blanked and yeah. <laughs> it got all over the place? <laughs> You're like, and I wasn't in a straight line, and Becca's like, you are an idiot. They weren't Stop. even connected. <laughs> they weren't even connected. It was bad. It was it's really hard. bad. I don't like things coming near my eye, so. It's just hard. But And Samantha, liquid is just not good. No. No. Samantha's fashion, I just, every outfit we see her in, I just love, especially the end of season one, end of episode one, where she's wearing the little, her little like, mock cow, like, style turtleneck sweater. It looks cozy. With the bow in the hair. And she's just like, oh. She's so casual. You're so casual. You're so adorable, Samantha. And I love Andorra's ensemble in when they're looking at the house because it kind of reminded me of like older Audrey Hepburn, like really sleek and classy and just awesome. Except for those elf slippers that she conjured yeah, up. Well, that sparkled. Her appreciation of not wearing shoes is like my appreciation of not wearing pants. So oh. I can completely feel her. Yeah. I completely agree. I agree with her. On I that. also love when Samantha's like, oh, mother, Darren's here. You need to meet him. And she like runs to greet Darren. And Endora's like, in my comfort slippers? No. And just leaves. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, you conjured those slippers up. You can conjure up some heels. She doesn't matter. She to attend to. She just her doesn't outfit, want to her, Did you mention her outfit when they were looking at the house? What? Do you remember, did you mention Endora's outfit? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It was on fleek. It yeah, was, it, it was, was really good. Cute. Sorry, I was kind of, I got in a zone for a second. No, okay. <laughs> um, but basically, these first two episodes... They're really cute. They're cute. Set They're the foundation. I think the show kind of, it didn't, it, it was the beginning of the breaking of the mold. Well, first of all, just because it was one of those more sci-fi oriented shows. We had the, I don't know when the Munsters came out. Was that? Was that a show? Yeah. Yeah. And then the Adam's family. I think the Twilight Zone was going on during this because Elizabeth Montgomery Montgomery were both in the Twilight Zone, but this show is different because it brings in that. Family values. Family values. Romance. And just, it gives, it gives a little bit of everything. And you see that in these first two episodes and I really, I really enjoy it. Plus they're just, they're they're so timeless. You can just watch them over and over again. Which I have. She really has. I own the DVD, the DVDs on three different platforms. Yep. I'm a little ashamed, but I figured y'all would. Okay, accept if you're listening me. to this, you'll accept it. Yeah. I do not own them on any platform. We share. But before we close this episode, we'd like to give a brief shout out to Becca. David Pierce. He wrote the Bewitched History book, which I own, and it is a really good comprehensive guide on every single episode of Bewitched and we did look at it and reference it when we were doing our highlights for this episode. So thank you, David. Your book is great. And other than that, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We look forward to releasing our next one, yeah. which we have yet to figure out what episodes it'll cover of the next few. But but it'll be great. It will be great. And we hope you have a lovely 
rest of your day, evening, or whatever you're doing. Have a great day.